Hey everybody, we at Podgave Rock and Roll Do You want to make it clear that we don't mean any offense by our comments, critiques, or opinions. We're not music critics, just buddies that use talking about music as an excuse to hang out. Also, our language is intended for adult ears. Enjoy! Cause I'm in the shit house Wish I played in a rock and roll band Somebody give me a dollar Anyway, so uh, I was thinking the other day, you know, it's always funny, like, when you hit that point after Thanksgiving, before Christmas, like, are, are either of you guys going home for the holidays? I went home. I went to no. Florida, actually, not home, but my, you know, I went to Florida with my family for Thanksgiving. So. Nice. Ah, for Thanksgiving. Yeah. But that period, even between, like, whether you go home for Thanksgiving or go home for any of the holidays in December, the period between those two, I feel like I'm always just drifting towards... There's going to be wine. I don't care if there's wine drank every night. I don't really care how much food I eat every night. That's just what I'm supposed to do for mm-hmm. that three weeks is just eat and drink and, like, watch movies and almost hibernate, even though it's not. It's cold tonight in Los Angeles, but it's usually not, like, freezing out here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that's what it's all about. It's the, that three weeks of just resetting. I think it's <clears throat> part of the whole holiday and tradition and everything. There's always a plan to come into the holidays in shape so that I don't get too far gone after. Agree. But I, I failed that too far from the shore. Year. Again. <laughs> and yeah. so yeah. after a summer of barely any shirtlessness um uh, heading into the holidays a solid person you're you're, you're layering you're layering up for the holidays yeah, yeah. what you're saying i yeah. feel like every year in september october i'm like all right i'm gonna i'm gonna really thin up before thanksgiving get get in good shape and then it's like november 23rd and you're like well fuck it as you're eating a cheeseburger <laughs> The problem with me is, like, I've done really well, like, eating-wise this week, like, recovering from Thanksgiving, and then I'm like, oh, wait, we have two pecan pies <laughs> in the fridge still. So it's like, Dude. I'll eat dinner, and then I'm like, I'm going to have, like, a quarter of a pie now <laughs> with ice cream. You know, I'm going to heat it up, and then the ice cream's obviously got to go on it. So then it's just, like, a great day of, like, being healthy. I think, as a general rule, if you can tell what fraction your slice of pie is of the pie, that's too big. You shouldn't be able to tell just by looking at the slice <laughs> how much of the pie is. No, no. It, it's you, probably it, not a full quarter. <laughs> but it's probably it's definitely an eighth a or quarter. more. Though. That's a that's yeah. a big. Chunk it's definitely of pie. an eighth or more because it, it's almost like look, I'm gonna eat this this week, so it doesn't really matter how much I eat right now because I'm gonna eat I'm gonna eat it tomorrow night. If that's I funny that you're yeah. saying that. I was just thinking that today. I have an old addiction to Skittles, and so Skittles season has I... been hitting me pretty hard. Skittles but season. Skittles has no calories though. So yes, like, it does. It's all, all the, sugar. Yeah, I mean, it's got no fat necessarily, but all it's the, nothing but all calories. All the calories go right to my dentist. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but I was thinking. I've, you know, I've been trying to control myself. I'm like, all right, one at a time, one at a time. Don't get a handful. If I just eat one at a time, I'm doing like tantric skittling. And <laughs> tantric skittling. That is, I want to do some tantric skittling. <laughs> well, come to my workshop. <laughs> tantric skittling. You have your you have a studio over on Second yeah, Street. Help me keep the lights on. Rainbow color. Taste it. <laughs> 
But seriously, I was thinking, what does it matter if I eat them one at a time? At that, at the end of the day, I'm eating one share size Skittles packet per well, night because it lasts longer. It like you you don't like eat but it. But I don't go buy not a even second. Think about it, and you're like, oh my god, I just ate a king size Skittles. But I don't go <laughs> buy a second king size that night. So either way, it's one king size per night. At the end of the, it, just depends on how you look at it. Yes, I made it last an hour instead of a minute. But what's the difference guys, in the big? Have you guys seen the new Super King? No. Super King. I don't know what King? That means. Well, I was in the gas station the other day. Six Reese cups. It's the Super King. <laughs> so anybody who's going to put down King. six cups in one sitting, that's yeah, that's, that's a shame. That's a that's Super a King. Shame. I'm sorry, not sorry. Speaking of kings and uh, <laughs> queens, I would I should say. Uh, Mike, for our listeners who already know, I have somewhat, not an, I wouldn't say an obsession, but I do pay attention to the Rock Hall of Fame. And HBO Max just released their 2022 Rock Hall of Fame induction ceremony, which is like four and a half hours long. So basically, I've made my girlfriend watch two of the inductees each night. <laughs> so, like, we've gotten through, you know, they started with Duran Duran, nice. Judas Priest got an award. Uh, Jimmy Iovine, 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 just heard it, should know, Pat Benatar. And, when was uh, the first time you heard Duran Duran? I, well, my si- I, I have a 50-year-old sister, so I mean, I heard them probably in like ni- when, when I was one years old. I mean, she loved Duran Duran. So you Duran just Duran. grew up with it in your house? Yeah, I mean, I, I've known, I, I, you know, obviously you know Ordinary World and Rio and Hungry Like the Wolf, I think, is one of the best songs of the 80s, but I, I love that tune. But then there's other songs, like, I'm not going to think of their names, but, like, I heard them on the thing. I was like, holy shit, I know, like, 10 of I only songs. know mm-hmm. them from my childhood because a couple of the songs were in this amazing ski 80s sex romp movie called Hot Dog. And we owned it. <laughs> so that Hungry yeah, Like yeah. the Wolf was like a big, you know, there's definitely like a mm-hmm. steamy scene with that. I think the first thing I remember is Rio. Um, I was probably like four or five. They were, when I first probably started listening to music on the radio, they were huge. But no. They also had that song that's like, Girl, don't, don't. Girls on film. Yeah, girls on film, yeah. <laughs> Rio, I kind of feel like is a little overrated. Yeah, but compared. as as like... um a kid listening to like pop music it it, it definitely it's infectious it's sugar-coated yeah. dun, 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 dun. for 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 sure so and i also uh we watched judas priest the other night which I, I was just like i don't think i know judas priest i mean i knew breaking the law from beavis and butthead but i didn't know they had that uh load in yeah i'm not too familiar i i, I couldn't have before you just named those two i couldn't have named one <laughs> um, well, anyway, Mike, we like to play a game on the pod every now and then called Mary Boof Kill. Um, and another name for Boof is Fuck. But we like to keep this, this pod kid-friendly, mm-hmm. as you can tell. For all and the so, listeners. You use an assassin's name. <laughs> Boof. Well, I like to think of it as the um, the love interest from the first Teen Wolf movie. Oh, I love Teen Wolf. <laughs> I went as Teen Wolf last Halloween. You know what? I'm a huge Teen Wolf fan. Um, Yeah, Michael J. Russick over here. (laughs) All my my fantasy teams are named after Teen Wolf. um, Because one of my your big sky. I even like the Jason Bateman sequel. Not Mm, nearly as much. Okay, but I still like it. 
that's how big of a fan. But yeah, my um, because in the first movie, Styles, his real name is Rupert Styles Stalinsky. Yeah. So yeah, for 15 years, my first fantasy, and I'm still in it league. It's been Rupert's Ramblers. Wow. <laughs> Anywho, mm-hmm. moving away from uh, our our favorite teen movies involving wolves from the 80s. The list of inductees this year that we can choose from are Pat Benatar, Duran Duran, Eminem, The Eurythmics, Dolly Parton, Lionel Richie, Carly Simon, and Judas Priest got a musical award. Not they were they weren't one of the inductees, but we'll just include them in here. So Mary Booth Kill, Neil. Okay, I mean it seems pretty easy but let me flip it around i will boof dolly ah. um i was gonna marry dolly and boof pat benatar but i'm gonna flip it because i think dolly's probably good in bed um and pat benatar would just be fun like she's you know she loves rock and roll so do i we're talking about the music here bro <laughs> <laughs> and who are you killing who are you killing them <laughs> i don't know what i don't get this game well, I'm trying to understand. It's either uh, Carly Simon or Judas Priest. I'll flip a coin. Ching. I'll, I'll kill Judas Priest. <laughs> ah, Judas is going down. Uh, Neil, Neil playing the, the uh, a very misogynistic role there <laughs> by marrying and fucking the two women and then killing the band with the gay singer. So... <laughs> You know that I'm right. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, okay, so Mike, here's here's a little another example of this. I, I would marry Dolly for the talent, the longevity, and the business okay. acumen. Right? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna fuck Lionel Richie because all night long, baby. Okay. In Fuego. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, yeah. Yes, all night long. He's like Sunday once, morning. twice, three times a lady. Uh, sail on down the line. Man. All of that. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I'm gonna kill Eminem because there's just it's no need for that much anger. There's no need. Yeah, I thought about it. <laughs> I know you did. I'm surprised you didn't. Uh, Mike, I think you guys took care us... of this segment. I, I can't. I add. Are anything. you gonna just Carly Simon all three answers? <laughs> I mean, I'm a big James Taylor fan, so by proxy, I'll I'll uh, I'll get in there. I would boof Lionel Richie as well. Thank you. But only if you're there with me. Oh, nah. I will marry Carly Simon because I think that uh, James was uh, not too, um, did not act with complete fidelity, and she deserves that. (laughs) You you would give her, you would be the the, the rock that she needs. (laughs) Revenge rock. And then. uh, You're not so vain, is what you're saying. And then what was the last one? Uh, Kill. Oh, I'm a vegan. <laughs> I didn't say eat. I said kill. It's non-applicable. No, I'm, I'm non-violent. Uh, I can. He's a pacifist. I can feed. I can feed it. I'll change your uh, kill to feed. <laughs> Who are you gonna feed? I'll, I'll feed the Eurythmics for having such a cheesy name. Okay. Do you know the no. Eurythmics? Sweet dreams are made of these. Sweet oh, yeah. dreams are made of. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know that. Hold your head up. Move oh, they, yeah. I'm going to feed uh, them. And what's I'm the... going to make them a nice dinner. A vegan, vegan dinner. I'm going to make them a nice <laughs> vegan dinner. So you're feeding the other. And then the they're going to die, ironically, uh, from it somehow, where I didn't kill them, but <laughs> we can laugh about it. The 
caloric intake and the cholesterol is what did them. Yeah, in, that, it, it was exactly. It was advertised as a healthy. And that, my friends, is why you shouldn't go vegan. Fat vegan. Um, it's just freaking skittles. Fat vegan. Well, well. On that note, uh, <laughs> you were listening to Pod Game Rock and Roll Team, and this week we are talking about probably a future Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee, and that would be the Smashing Pumpkins. Specifically, their song 1979 from their 1996 album Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. Written by Billy Corgan and produced by Flood, Alan Mulder, and Billy Corgan and released on Virgin and Hut. So this song and this album are just right in the sweet spot of coming out. I'm entering my teens, like right in the middle of of puberty at like 13. Four, this came out in 96, so I was 13 years old. I would say, but from 13 to 15, this and OK Computer were like, which came out a year or two later, are like the two albums. Well, OK Computer I got into way more than, than this one. It, it's just three albums, 28 songs. Stop. Like, no. Nobody wants to hear 28 songs on an album by anybody. But, you know, I mean, it owned MTV. It was just everywhere on MTV that year. You know, you had him on the little floating on the mm-hmm. thing, even though this video is a little different than that. But I don't love the Smashing Pumpkins. Like, you know, everybody's like, oh, it's not this album, man. It's Time You Dream. That's the one. It's amazing. <laughs> I just... Coming I'm right like, up. <laughs> <laughs> it, it just... So, a lot of his stuff gets a little too emo for me sometimes. And, like, his screeching is not audibly pleasant to me a lot of times so but this song i think in their catalog is an outlier from like the little electro thing that they do with at the beginning and end of this song that thing in and of itself to the vibe and the loops and the samples they're using and and all the guitars that are just kind of reserved that's almost it's almost a precursor to what radiohead is going to do yeah in two years sure or when they get to kid a in in 2000 this song is it, it's almost kind of like changes rock a little bit in sensibilities and the way it goes from there and i just think it's it's super impressive it's like he's known for guitar but it's got like the guitar is so chill and laid back and aimless but it's but everything that's going on is so tight and it's just like this one instrument moving everything it just kind of blends together in this like nice little tapestry that or creates this like carefree innocent nostalgic sound and I, I, this is one of those songs that I never tire of hearing. Whenever it comes on, I turn it up. I don't know the words, but mm-hmm. I'm humming along with you it. You do now. The, the whole time. Well, I think it's interesting. <laughs> so you were about 13, and like he was writing about when he was 12. So that's kind of interesting. And I was 16, probably 17. It was 96. It was yeah, I mean, right did, in there, 16. And you obviously heard this a oh lot, tons right? and it was right in the time when i when we were all in that cd buying frenzy we just mm-hmm. got a little money maybe we just got in you know and everybody was getting one of this one of that and you know it was counting crows and da 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 did you own this album i was trying to remember because i was like i think i own this album because that art is so stick stuck in my head but i was looking at all the songs and i, I don't think i owned it now that i look back but the art, that art would, is in most of the videos that were on MTV every fucking day. Yeah, and people's all shirts and just all over the place. So I I don't think I owned it because I think I would have, 
I kind of wore out my CDs. I didn't have a huge collection, so the ones I did have, I tended to wear out. Okay, so so how did you interact with that song then, and what do you think about it now? I think this was one of my least favorite songs because I just thought it was kind of whiny, and then the whole sound of the thing was kind of whiny, and it just, you know, when you're just have that initial thing, yay or nay, and and that mm-hmm. was my initial was thing was nay on this one, but some of my favorite bands, my initial thing was nay. Because sometimes we put yeah. walls up to stuff and we don't even know why we have walls. I didn't like bluegrass music until I heard the Jerry Garcia, Dave Grisman bluegrass. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. that yeah, lily yeah. patted me and then I became a bluegrass, you know, enthusiast. Like three Merle Fests and, you know. Mm-hmm. So like yeah. it's weird how that so can you, change you, like taste. It's so weird to me. Are you saying that you just... Now been... it's my favorite song of all time. <laughs> 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 no, no, I, it was cool. Me, I was watching a thing, and a guy was one of the band members and producers was saying they put it through a, a Mutron biphase effect pedal, which is very close to the Mutron pedal that Jerry Garcia used. So hmm. it's like that yeah. whole, but they put the whole band through it, and so that oh. whole swirling, cool. it's like on the whole band. Uh-huh. I, I didn't I didn't see that. I was looking for that too to just see what the hell, you know, they got that sound from. That's interesting. So so basically you're saying that there's been enough time now to when you went back to it, you now have a, a, a an appreciation for the song you did not before. Same uh right off the bat, but like okay, let me hear what's really going on here, you know, and like if I had to cover this song, what would it take and what is droning and what is not and so yeah, I like looking at it from like just like this artist and from a singular artist point of view of Billy Corgan and stuff like that. But you know, there's more for me to learn. I'm still confusing him with REM sometimes in my head. And... <laughs> <laughs> That's okay, Mike. We'll give you a pass on that. I, uh, I love the Smashing Pumpkins, as they should be loved. They're a fucking great band, very unique. And they were big for me. I think, Josh, the same thing that happened to you with this album happened to me with Siamese Dream. Makes sense. You I, are older than me. Yeah, I sure am. I think I had that on cassette, Siamese Dream. But anyway, this is one of their best. Um, it's not my absolute favorite, but it is very cool. You can tell, and even from reading... This song is more of a vibe than a, than a song. It's all about that guitar riff, just a ba-na-na-na-na-na-na-na. You can tell he just came up with that and is like, fuck, this is so good. It kind of has a lot of even just rhythm and percussive nature to the guitar um, yeah. to the guitar riff. And then the chorus really, or the B section works really well, but it's only because the first part's so cool. Like the B section... You, Agree. I, I haven't learned it, but I bet it's just standard chords. Just like make it big, go to the four. You know what I mean? Something like that. Well, no, they actually do it, an interesting thing where the verses are all kind of one, five, six, mm-hmm. one, or like a variations of six. And he, he uses the major sevenths mm-hmm. in a very effective way, I think, throughout the song. But then he goes to that four right before going into the B section and then goes to the five. Mm-hmm. So the four leads mm-hmm. into the five, except for. He changes it once after the second verse leading in that second chorus. It goes one, 
a major six one, and then and it changes the melee, which is unnecessary, but it, you know it's nice. Yeah, and just even reading about it, um, he was like he just loved this song. The producer didn't even want it on the album, and he almost took <laughs> it as a challenge to like. I think in one night he stayed up all night and was like. Oh yeah, you don't think it's good? Check this shit out. <laughs> so, and then uh, of course the producer was like, "Yes, let's let's get that on wax immediately." <laughs> and it's their highest charging song. Yeah, you know, gotta love some good stats. <laughs> Corgan has made a whole career out of the guitar you hear in this because it's 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 all octave bass. It's it's very um, expressive guitar, and it all it all has a very similar through line, but. When I think of Smashing Pumpkins, I really do love Siamese Dream. I feel like that was like the pure kind of genius. Of, you know, a lot of bands, their first album is just kind of where like they're real. Like they've been building that stuff for 18 years. This song is kind of like I think, all... I think they had an album before that, right? They may have, but uh, I don't know it. And as far as, you know, this yeah, conversation I mean, is concerned, yeah. this song, it's, it's almost like everything they've done before. It's, it's very polished. You know, like you said, they were getting into um, different production methods and loops. And it, it's, it's, it's almost an adult version of like their earlier stuff. It's very refined. Yeah. There's experimentation going on mm-hmm. that is a little different than just the kind of straight rock and roll with a lot of different guitar lines that are happening before right yeah yeah definitely and there's a heavy metal aspect to it throughout like he's there's that weird kind of but i i feel like the heavy metal is on some of their other stuff this this sounds very pretty to me like it's 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 his like sea change it's like his most chill song that i've heard so far there's a reserve reservedness there that is not on any of their other kind of bigger songs it, it's it that and that's why it sticks out for me i mean this song is meditative to me when i hear it and i think neil you pointed out he just probably came up with that guitar line and then when he came up whoever i don't even know if that's a guitar or a synth or what that is with the wow that wow it's him saying today that they they uh fucked with him Today, really? yeah, 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 which is cool because today. today is one of their greatest songs. And it's funny because they use it there, and then I feel like so many of their songs are either today or tonight or fucking. Wow, I, I, I had no idea because that just every time it, it's almost like a reset mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to where instead of just playing the riff and then playing the riff and then playing the riff and then playing the riff, it's like riff, reset. It's a nice rest. I love it, and it, it makes the song very meditative for me. Another thing, <laughs> Another thing I did read about the guitars, though, is he he tuned every string down a half step to make it sound lower yeah so yeah it, and that's how that's how hendrix played too because those strings were looser i don't even know you could do that how many guitar tracks do you think is is there, on this i think there's only two man i mean i think it, there's really? they're doing so much because it's because he's hitting those open strings i mean there might be some here and there but like the, for most of it it's probably just two and then the little kind of crashing in the chorus, the that little kind of, I don't know, it sounds like ringing. That could be a synth. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I, I also read they recorded in two rooms. Because where, whereas Siamese Dream, they, they were just sitting around waiting on him to overdub guitar parts for weeks. They were like, fuck it. <laughs> we'll have a room for the band, and then we'll have a room for you to fucking do your guitar <laughs> overdubs. back 
back to what you said earlier about, you know, today and tonight and their lyrics always being like that. This is a song that I never knew the lyrics for. Like, I, there were a couple lines I knew, like maybe two of like, you know, cool kids never had the time. Don't mm-hmm. you think that's uh, weird that, that the... you listen to it, you never get tired of listening to it, you love it, and you don't know what well, the lyrics are? it's because it's such a vibe. Because this song is all vibe. I mean, it's his vocal, what he's doing almost just blends into the music for me. To where it's just like... I was just going to say the exact same thing. I was kind of leading you. I was hoping you'd say that. Yeah. Just the volume alone is like less than some of the band in a lot of the parts. And he creeps (laughs) up like Loch Ness Monster over the surface. And then he goes back down. (laughs) (laughs) But every time he does that, it's all quick hits. It's like... <laughs> oh, that's the other thing I was gonna. So, he, so not only is he doing Loch Ness Monster up and down over the volume thing, he's doing breath into constricted this way at you. Mm-hmm. So he's 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 he's, <laughs> he's doing that. And, but that's how he's saying. It's like a car no, but driving I think by. What it, it's like. <laughs> yeah, he's like he's like a human Doppler effect through a mutron with a phase. Uh, yeah, he. I feel like he's like almost like the '90s caricature of Mick Jagger in a way, because he's like in one minute he's very femme and like breathy, and then he goes and does like the bombastic kind of cutting. You know, he comes in and out of your ear. Uh. I mean, I, I, mean, I think you just sold me. I, 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 you lost me at first. But. <laughs> I feel like there's probably a better comp, but uh, I'll take that for now. Yeah, I mean, I think he's more Bowie. Mm, no. No? The breathiness and this and that, like, I, I never knew the, the lyric. And it, it's funny, you know, I looked at it this week. It, it's nothing like, I wouldn't say it's like, oh my God, this is so profound. I mean, the, the choruses are a little like... They almost seem like they were written from like a seventeen-year-old stoner's perspective, like mm-hmm. oh, back to dust, though. Uh, yeah, yeah. That, dust that, dust, it gets a li- it gets a little deep, well, a little rock that, and roll. Yeah. Um, He's like such a poet. The first verse is is great. It, the, oh yeah, it starts with shakedown. I always thought he said stuck in nineteen seventy-nine, but starts with um, shakedown. Nineteen seventy-nine. Cool kids never have the time. Own a live wire right up off the street. You and I should meet. That's yeah, just a that's perfect a great little line. Yeah. four line. Nice. And even the even the delivery of on a live wire right up the street. You and I should meet. Is that so first lyric is the best, I think. But then after that, it starts to water down. Yeah, I mean nothing really hits that high. I I, I don't think I, the the outro two lines are very good. The street heats the urgency of now. As you see, there's no one around. I would say the beginning and the end lyrically are the highlight mm-hmm. of the lyrics, and that's why the lyric kind of doesn't matter in the song. Yeah, yeah. it's like the, whatever kind of sonic vibe that they created, whether that's Flood or Alex Mulder or Billy Corgan. You know, I'm sure all I'm you know I'm sure all of them had you know a lot of. I mean, you know, Flood is a producer that worked with U2, Nine Inch Nails. New Order, Alex Mulder work with like Jesus and the Mary Chain, My Bloody Valentine. So you can, I mean, you can definitely hear some like U2 sonic vibes in this song. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Nine sure. Inch Nails a little bit as well. Yeah, and I, I feel like it is a vibe. I never knew any of the lyrics whatsoever. Not that that's saying much, but um, it's funny. I, I really do love Smashing Pumpkin, but even when you picked this, I was like, which one is that again? Without, 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 without
can't tell whether it's because these are both vegetative things, uh, a pumpkin and a melon, but I get blind melon vibes from some of the sounds of the phasing and the whining and the wheezing and the... I can, I can see vocally. Yeah. I, I, musically, vocally. this doesn't really... I mean, Blind Melon is more like, here's one guitar. and It's more raw. And they're not really layering right. guitars, yeah. You um, see the vocal tinge. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's, it's 90s I, rock. There, there's definitely some crossover. It's, it's, I wouldn't But I wouldn't again, this, is, this, way, this but. sounds different than a lot of 90s rock that was coming out before oh. it. And it sounds different than anything, than most other stuff on this album. So you can yeah, tell, like, no. th- this isn't, you know, as I said in the beginning, this is an album. It highlights his all creativity, and I think that is already the strongest thing going. Because if the lyrics are at once sublime, but then sort of watery, and, and if the music is kind of hitting me sometimes, but I, I think that the front runner of, of the talent here is, is just the creativity of this music. Yeah, and just, I mean, I feel like before Smashing Pumpkins, I'd never heard anything like this. There's really not much like their sound, like that driving octave, like harmonic guitar. Um, But you hear a lot of, you've heard a lot of it since. Like, I really think they, um, and Corgan especially, just really carved out a a very unique sound and kind of um, changed rock moving forward. But, but it's so funny. Like, I mean, he was just own one at this point because you have Siamese Dream and then you have this. And I don't think I've ever listened to another Pumpkins album than those two. Which one has the, despite all my rage, I'm still... This one. Th- this one. That's this one. Mm-hmm. So this one has this one has 1979, I'm still just around in a cage. And then it has Tonight. Tonight yeah. Tonight. And then two more, right? Zero. Two more big hits on this album? Zero and 33, hmm. I think. And you know, there's some. I, I listen to this whole fucking Dude, album. He killed today. it with it the number titles. Time. Three platinum singles on one album with numbers. I'm gonna play the <laughs> alphabet game. Uh, this one's uh, CB, <laughs> CBD. <laughs> Can we talk about the band for a little bit, for a minute? Because sure. they brought in this keyboardist, yeah. and so this is the keyboardist insert for this album specifically. And his name is Jonathan Melvoin. And sadly, he, he died of a heroin overdose at age 34 Damn. in 96. So, like, right yeah, as they were on tour whole, with him. Yeah, that was a whole big thing when this yeah. album came out. His dad, sure, yeah. Mike Melvoin, was a keyboardist for the Wrecking Crew. Mm. And wow. so, yeah, he was, like, playing drums at five and... He was like in in punk bands and stuff like that, and was a session guy. I did, I did not know that. And honestly, his name wasn't on Wikipedia in the uh, in the personnel. I mean, it just said Jimmy Chamberlain on drums, Darcy Redsky on bass guitar, Billy Corgan on vocals and guitars, and James Eha on rhythm and on guitars as well. That that hmm. that was all it, it really but listed. I there. hadn't thought about that probably since '96, but I remember that happening. Um, cause it definitely was a story. I remember Kurt Loader giving me the, give me uh, the Loader <laughs> definitely commercial break. He's also in the band that, uh, put together that original, nothing compares to you with Prince. Hmm. Oh, band. Why it's, it's funny. I mean, and, and, you know, I mean, he, he's done nothing to dissuade you from thinking this, but like when I think about them, I really only think of Corgan. I think of Eha too. I think it's only because they had such a contentious relationship. But 
when I think about why this band exists, it's because of Corgan. He's the he's the the apex creep. I mean, you can't just. I'm no. It's it's ba- it it could be like a Jeff Lynn situation. It doesn't matter who else is playing. I, I hate to say he, it, but it doesn't. He is he is the rat in the cage. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of the the creator of that world, what um, Mike would you say is your favorite part of this song? I mean, it, it's like you guys have been talking about it the whole time. It's just that it's the vibe, it's the undercurrent of that sort of James Bond little lick that's under it too, where it's like ascending from the fifth to the seventh or whatever it is. It's like feels like it's kind of like got that chromatic thing while it's doing the major seventh thing. It's very melodic. He's be, he's being an instrument. Yeah. And the instruments are being a voice, so they're coming together and meeting in the middle. Every Everything is weaved together perfectly, and I, I agree with that, but I, I would be remiss if we didn't mention the bridge, because I do think the song needed to be broken up a little bit by something. Mm-hmm. And when they do go to that, they go to the three, and it doesn't really change the vibe of the song, but it does give you a little something different. It's just different enough to kind of break up what's been happening thus far and what they go immediately back to afterwards kind of weaves into it he kind of goes up a little bit more than he has been and a little like more anthemic vibe to mm-hmm. to the lines and but then like the last line he comes right back down into that like reserved the whole so, thing is no. so weird it's like I, I try to reverse engineer it and I, I can't when that happens I know I'm dealing with a creative person because it's just like if I was working with a producer would they be like yeah put that intro weird thing and then do the intro like I, I just feel like everyone's always trying to shorten everything and come right in and don't bore us get us to the chorus <laughs> and, 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 yeah. yeah 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 so is that your favorite part Josh do you have a favorite part I mean I, I, the vibe but uh, you know the, I do enjoy the bridge you know if it was something like absolutely specific it would be that yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just because that is the vibe. That is the vibe. It's the whole song, like I said. Like without that, there's nothing. There's some pretty good lyrics and some good production, but without that, it's nothing. I think lyrically, you already mentioned it, but on a live wire right up the street, just and the delivery of you, the swagger of the you and I should meet, like it's really good. It is. You know, just, he does another good thing vocally too. Like it, in the verses, he'll go to like that that rest. I think it is in the first verse where he's like, or no, in the chorus, he's like. And we don't know just mm-hmm. where our bones will rest to dust, mm-hmm. I guess. That, uh, that's really <laughs> little, nice. Yeah. Little tease of the cover there. Yeah. <laughs> um, Dude, I was, play, I was playing this on the guitar earlier, and I was telling Bree, I was like, God, this is so fun to fucking play. And Sometimes I feel like he has something really poetic to say. Like, this guy is such a prolific poet. And then the next minute, I think he just went with a line that sounded good with the noise of the rhythm. Yeah, you have to. They can't all be... But I'm saying, I, but it was weird. it's just weird to have that distinct, because like, Bob Dylan never gives up. He just stays with his train of thought. You know, he's not a poet laureate. You well, that, know, yeah, I guess that's what I'm saying. Dylan, Dylan he's not, kind of is. He's not super <laughs> sophisticated, but he is a real poet, you know? Well, he's a poet, and one thing I wanted to bring up that it helps with my Bowie comparison is I really think that 
he does sound like a vampire singing like and you know bowie's kind of out of this world as well but it's funny because they there's one song i can think of that mentions a vampire the world is a vampire but it's something about him his bald head and you know and he's been bald since this album and his teeth have like fangs and like just the way he's, he's it's like it's very i don't think anybody's gonna yeah. disagree with your, with your observation there neil i mean he also looks like a, a vampire that's like on the lookout for fucking children <laughs> or adolescents in that video when he's just oh yeah it's just like kids having fun like in a small town and like he's like you and i should meet <laughs> and then just had like close-ups of him being like hey guys you like my new do that freaks and the ghouls and then you're scared like, i have to walk back alone um but well <laughs> and, and then it, it's almost like he got in the car and stole it from him at the end speaking which, of the video um it's heralded as one of the best videos but i really don't think it's all that great no maybe it was at the time because it is it's very shaky like real it's almost well, it's, like it's all handheld shitty cameras yeah and did you guys read they they filmed it and then lost it all no yeah they they filmed the whole video left it on top of a car drove away and they're like well that's fucking gone they had to go back and redo the whole fucking thing <laughs> i wonder if the first one was better Oh, it, well, it, always know, originally, is. it always is. Originally, they asked Spike Jones to direct it, and Spike Jones wanted them to be aliens in an alien hotel, but the budget was like, oh, wasn't $2 million it elephant dollars, aliens? And they were like, no, <laughs> something's fucking crazy. And they were like, yeah, no, we'll just we're already we'll just we do already do we're already floating around the sky in tonight. So easy, Spike. <laughs> we'll we'll do something with kids dicking off in a small town, which is what the song is throwing about. Throwing anyway. slurpees and fucking rocking out. <laughs> Well, speaking of throwing Slurpees and rocking out, that brings us to the vibe time section of this pod. And Mike, yes, it brings us to the second time that you get to bring us into the vibe time portion of this podcast. And uh, we'd like you to do that in three, two, one. <laughs> we get nice. our second uh, cheek water drop. No, vibe. I didn't do a I like water it. drop last time. No, no, someone else did. Oh. <laughs> but they only did a single. Uh, was that Nick? Nick only did a little single drop. You did a little sloppy threesome there, so it, it's appreciated. It's a drippy. Um, Leaky it was, it was drippy. It was, like, it was a little messy. It's almost like, you know, your prostate's having some issues there, but... Uh, <laughs> okay, this is my song, so... I want to hear this when I want to look fondly on my youth and be inspired by its innocence. And yeah, that, that's when I want to hear this. Doesn't matter where I am. If I hear, basically, if this comes on, that's what I'm gonna think about. I'm gonna, I'm gonna relax and mm-hmm. be like, you know what? That was a fun time. Mm-hmm. There was some shitty stuff that happened, but like for the most part, <laughs> I dick, I dicked off with my friends. You know, kissed some girls, masturbated often. <laughs> it was great. Nice. Um... So this is such a vibe. It's it's just such a cool sound that I want to hear this alone when I'm snowboarding after I listen to Cherub Rock. <laughs> fair. That's fair. Michael? I look forward to 10 years, 20 years from now when I hear this song and I crack a little smile and say, that brings me back to that song I <laughs> at first blush was turned off by. And then at second blush. God, I love REM. <laughs> but that that rascal Josh Bond just got me back into it. I just really appreciate him as an artist. I mean, you know, I, I'm I'm yeah, that's as you where should. it's at. 
for me. I, whether I'm drawn to it completely or not, it's impacting me and his artistry is evident. Well, you know what else is evident? That, it, that it's time to slide under the influence, guys. So other Good than REM, there, Mike... Josh. <laughs> other than REM, Mike, what, what do you compare this song to, think it came from, think it influenced? I just keep thinking about that Mutron phase, you know? Just... Listen to stuff with a fa- anything with a phaser. I think it's kind of got cool. Do Do you have an example? Well, a lot of the music from that time, <laughs> such as like you know, sneaking Sally through the alley, you know, and a lot of phase clav, Stevie Wonder. What they did with it, they like took the whole band and put what people would put their one instrument through. So you're saying if if you like this song, go check out some Robert Palmer. I just want people to listen to Robert Palmer. <laughs> if I can pull them <laughs> yeah. away from that to Hell go yeah. to that. Yeah. <laughs> this song reminds me of Robert Palmer. <laughs> uh, Neil, what, what about you? Um, well, I got a lot of stuff here. Uh, I think influencing it, Hendrix was a big influence. I mean, I think specifically Third Stone from the Sun, just Ooh, the octaves. You guys know that song, right? Good call. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that's just uh, Smashing Pumpkins in general. Similar songs uh, prior, you know, it's tough, but like just about gone youth. Tuesday's gone, the kids are all right, stuff like that. And yeah. it doesn't sound like those, but uh, it's similar. Uh, it's following in that rock tradition of similar vibes. And nostalgic then adolescence. It's, it's influenced a ton of stuff moving forward. Uh, like you said, uh, Radiohead, High and Dry, that kind of stuff. I mean, a lot of Radiohead. Well, High and Dry came out before this. Oh, did it? Okay. Yeah. The ben, the Benz came out in 94. This ooh, came out in 96. Ooh, okay. Okay Computer came out in 98. Um, but they, they do share a lot. I feel like they're definitely yeah. in their own lanes, and it's not like they're really kind of using I, each other's stuff, but it, it has that 90 sound. And then it's definitely Arcade Fire has has a bit of that. And the, the band that really took this and ran with it was the Silver Sun Pickups. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Their whole sound is this song. That's a good call. That's a good call. Yeah. I heard this this band so much and listened to Radiohead so much and just never really put together how much they sound, mm-hmm. how much of a contem- contemporary they are. I would mm-hmm. like compare those two bands for other than like them and like the grunge stuff and the other rock and yeah. roll stuff. I would say those two bands are probably the closest thing. What about that band? So, uh, I guess if you're Kate. saying that. Hmm. Nah, cake is more. What about Tool? Sure. What about other I mean, four-letter, one-syllable band? <laughs> cake. This song, I think, and them in general, probably influenced TV on the radio mm-hmm, a, mm-hmm. A, a little bit. I have I one more influence I, kind of I want to say that's that. going to knock your socks off. Okay. Is it and R.E.M.? Lou Reed. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Even yeah. with the bell. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's start. Let's stop uh, picking nits and uh, crawl under the covers for a little while. Talk about the covers of this song. Neil, why don't you get started on this one? What covers did you listen to of uh, um, 1979? I looked around a good bit. And none of them really stuck. Uh, the one you shared with us, the Darling Side Whippoorwill, was pretty cool. It's kind of like a bluegrassy starts bluegrassy and then it kind of evolves from there i I thought the harmonies were really nice on that Mm. um and then other than that i was just amazed at how well they perform this acoustic or just billy does by himself um so 
I dabbled in the covers a little bit. Um, it's such a great yeah. song. It's kind of like everyone is just like, yeah, it's a fucking cool song. You're crushing it. But like nothing I, stuck out. You know what I mean? Yeah, I would say the acoustic version really didn't add anything to it for me. There is a demo version where like it's just a, it sounds like a, just a drum machine and him playing. <laughs> but you can really hear every word he's singing. And I, I, I really enjoyed that aspect of that of that version of it. Because it sounded, it made it almost sweet, in a, in a sense. And then I, I I really like that Darling Sides version. I think bl- this song really lends itself to a bluegrass cover. Yeah, um, and but you you know what I mean though. It it kind of it didn't go full yeah. bluegrass. It was kind of yeah. like it, it, it's. It, I mean, it's on the verge the entire time. But the, um, get, just hearing that with the harmonies, of, yeah, is so good. Um, I would say there's another one called by Freedom Fry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if it's a female vocalist or what. It's a very sweet version, and I, you know, it's very pretty, um, and I, I didn't mind it. And then there's another one I heard by the Contortionists, which is a bit, little bit too emo for me, um, for my taste. I did listen to one, the uh, like a cover, the Alt J, the thing out of Australia. I think I've shared that with you before, but it's like it's called like a like forget what it's called, but anyway, it's they have these bands in studio and they cover songs. Um, they're covering ah. something else. And they just kind of went into this and then, you know, just teased oh, nice. the song. It, it's, it definitely lends itself to that just out of nowhere. You're just like, and we don't eat. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, where you just do that part. Mm-hmm. That, for sure. That's cool. I see that. Mike, what about you? Covers? Uh, I actually didn't get a chance to listen to them. Oh, and it's called Like oh, a Version. Like a Version. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hilarious. I had, to pick, I had to pick between, you know, Looking into the keys player and listening to the covers. You know what? No, we don't. We don't take excuses on Pi Gave Rock and Roll, Mike. It's okay. So there, we're there gonna was... move. We're gonna skip. We're gonna skip you, Please? and we are gonna move right to the Nobody's shoe, the shoe section. Whether you come to me of this podcast, and we're gonna find Al Bundy, and we're gonna we're gonna start trying on Let's sizes. This. So uh, this is Neil. How does the shoe fit for 1979? Uh, the shoes fit very well, like a pair of burgundy Chuck Taylors with teen angst doodles all over them. <laughs> Ooh, you're drawing on those Chucks. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Mike, how does the shoe fit for you, bud? This shoe feels a bit like a K-Swiss. Not for me, but can admire from afar. Ah. Okay, okay. You're, you're an admirer of the K-Swiss brand. You sure okay. not British Knights? Maybe the BKs. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to 1979. This fits like a pristine pair of white, cloudy-like comfort Keds. Mm. Very close to comfort mine. But, Very close to mine. But, but covered in plastic to uh, prevent the mess of a smashed... Oh. <laughs> Cut. <laughs> Too elaborate? No. Just made me feel bad about my lack of creativity. You know what, Mike? You you're gonna have another week to 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 pick it up, and we expect that from you. Uh, but on that note, our cover of the Smashing Pumpkins, 1979. Right. 
you just heard was performed by josh bond thanks for listening to pod gave rock and roll to you if you like what you heard please subscribe and rate on apple itunes and spotify or wherever you listen if you'd like to communicate with us you can find us on twitter and instagram under the handle at pod gave rock mike is our guest usual three weeks but next week is our annual holiday episode so mike's gonna get to pick two weeks straight as long as next week is a holiday song so mike what are we going to discuss for our annual holiday episode. I think we're going to look deeply into Irving Berlin's Christmas song, White Christmas. Can't wait! <laughs> <laughs>